Yeah, thanks for that. Um, we're carrying on our Acts series, so Hannah has put, had input into what we've got to share today. So we're going to be reading from Acts 7, um, from 54 to chapter 8, verse 3. Um, so I'll just give you a minute to find that in your Bibles if you haven't. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> so, Acts 7, 54. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing in the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Dear Lord God, I pray as we open up this, um, your word today, Lord, that you'd speak to us as we sit underneath it and hear what you have to say to it. We pray that you would speak to us in mighty ways and that um, yeah, anything I say that is of you would, would really impact hearts and anything that isn't of you would be forgotten, Lord Jesus, we pray. In, in Jesus' name, amen. So um, as, we was, as I was um, you know, preparing for this, uh, there's this question that, that uh, I think God put on my heart and the question was, are we ready and what I felt that, that are we ready for uh, was in response to some of the, the Vision 2020 stuff that we've been praying for for, for next year and beyond. And um, basically accompanying some of the things that we've been praying for and some of the goals, history tells us that when the gospel grows, um, along with that often comes persecution and suffering. Now, I'm not necessarily prophesying that there will be suffering or hardship or persecution next year. Um, but I'm basically, I think it's a prompt from the Lord about um, thinking about some principles about that. I mean, if we think about um, the early church with the Romans, when they had a persecution, some of them were set alight, weren't they? We have the Reformation, when the, the, the good news, um, the kind of grace was kind of re-upheld in our country. Again, there was, there was bloodshed then across the Muslim world. Um, we see when we see pockets of people coming to Christ, along with that, there is persecution. In China, at the moment, perhaps because the government feels under threat, again, the church is experiencing persecution. And then maybe again in India, where there's been a rapid growth of the church, um, and then we've had this really recent um, growth of this Hindu extremist movement that's spreading across the country. Again, because there's you know, um, you know, a not a willingness for the, for the Christian faith to share. So history tells us that you know, when the gospel expands and grows often maybe not always but there is often persecution and suffering that goes with that so I just think there's some helpful things as for us to think about from this passage as we as we think about that so I've just talked about the theme of being ready these different aspects of being ready that we're just going to go through um, the first one's word ready so um, as we had Ken's wonderful sermon earlier about um, this word that um, Stephen had to, had to share, basically opening up um, throughout the Old Testament what, what God had done. And uh, because Stephen had this knowledge of the scriptures, he, had, he knew the right things to say. Um, and maybe a question for us is, um, 
how well do we know the scriptures? And, um, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And do we find ourselves knowing the right thing to say in certain situations? Um, and perhaps would knowing God's word help us to enable to, to know what to say? Another aspect of being word ready is kind of being enabling it to sustain us when there are difficult times. We can rest on the promises of God and what he's done throughout history and how, um, how he's acted throughout history. And remember that he's a faithful God and that he is with us. Um, so that's one aspect of being ready um, for any hardship that we might have, but also just for our, you know, our day-to-day lives. Another aspect is, is um, how Stephen was grace-ready. Uh, and we can see there's kind of different layers to this, really. Um, we can see in, in chapter 6, the bit before um, Ken read about um, the, um, the kindness and the, the, the love of the poor that was going on. This, this kind of grace of God was overflowing into feeding the poor. We can read in, in chapter 6 that he was a man full of God's grace and power. So God's grace was, was, was truly upon him. And he did great signs and miraculous wonders. Again, as he spoke to the leaders, um, he kind of seemed to, um, when he was speaking, he didn't let the offense, he saved the offense of the gospel uh, for, saved the offense for the gospel. And what I mean by that is, um, rather than trying to offend him, um, offend the people he was speaking to, um, he, um, he saved that for the actual gospel. And he, he did these good things that we just talked about. Uh, in the same way, um, you know, we are not to let cultural differences or personal, personality differences or minor issues get in the way of um, our relationship with somebody. But the offense, let's save the offense for the gospel. Another aspect of this kind of grace um, ready that, that Stephen had was that he seemed to have this relationship with God that could kind of enable him to go through that suffering that we read of at the end of the chapter when he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's as if he's got such a, an intimate relationship with the Father that this kind of suffering, and as, as he's being having stones thrown at him, he's still got this relationship with the Father, which seems to be this primary thing. And somehow through that, that this suffering seems less kind of severe. So he's got this, he, he is grace ready because he's filled with this grace. He's you know, full of grace and power, um, but he's ready to, to take that suffering because he's filled with that grace. Um, the next one I've got is that his repentance ready. And what I mean by that is that he's willing to, to share and preach a gospel that requires a repentance, i.e. A, a turning around. As Ken went through earlier, all throughout chapter 7, he's been um, talking really about the hard hearts, really, of, of people throughout the, the, the history of, um, of God's people. And right up to the present day, people have still been, uh, had hard hearts. So we knew God's word, um, he saved the offense for the gospel, but then he went and shared the gospel. He did actually go and share it, and it, it did cause offense on this occasion. But even though it caused offense, it didn't mean it was the wrong gospel. You know, as we continue to share the good news, um, if people, some of the people that we share it with will reject it, um, but we are not to know how, how the Lord will use that. And um, you know, he, was, he was faithful in sharing that gospel that did require a turning around and we know what people are like so often that people don't like to be, you know, to, to have to be told that the way that they're living is, is not the right way. Um, but we, if we believe that, um, you know, Jesus, if Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit reflects Jesus, and Jesus is love, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, 
then what he said was the right thing. So we can believe that um, you know, his you know, preaching of repentance is, is something that we're to do as well. Then we've got that, the fact that he was faith ready. So what I mean by this is he had faith about what, what God was going to do in his kind of preaching and in his suffering. And we've got the kind of before story of, of God's um, great work in, um, in Saul, um, a guy who um, was, you know, um, persecuted the church. It says in 758 that they kind of laid their clothes at, this guy, the, at the feet of this guy called Saul. And in 8 verse 1, it says, Saul giving approval of his death. So he's, um, he's kind of approving this death, um, this death, yep. And then in 8 verse 3, Saul began to destroy the church. So I don't know what was going through Saul's mind at this time, whether he had some inner doubts. But um, Stephen went through all this, and later on we, we hear of how Saul, you know, comes to know Christ and it turns his name to Paul and um, begins to write much of the, the New Testament and lead many, other to Jesus, many others to Jesus. So as we uh, prepare ourselves for any suffering that may come, and in our lives in general, um, we need to be faith-ready of, of those that seem most against the gospel, that some of them may still come to Christ in our lives. And the question for us is, who are the, who are the souls that we're praying for to become the pools in, in the future in our lives, of those that we are, you know, have shared with maybe and they've been quite against the gospel for whatever reason? Uh, you can't get much more against the gospel than destroying the church and killing leaders, can you? So um, let's continue to pray for those. The next one we've got is suffering ready. Uh, it's kind of relating to what I was saying at the start. Um, both, um, both Stephen, at the end of chapter 7, was scattered. And we got this, um, this verse in, in Colossians 1, another aspect of, of how God views suffering. In, in Colossians 1, 24, it says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, still lacking. So, so Paul's saying that Christ's afflictions were lacking something. Now what he's saying by that is he's not saying that um, Christ's, um, you know, Christ's sufferings um, aren't, great, aren't good enough to take away the sin of you and I. He's not saying that it's not good enough, because he certainly is. Christ is supreme, he is so holy, he is so worthy, he's beyond we can imagine and so so his for him to die for um for him to die has got such great worth that it can take the punishment for, for the wrong of many however um the way that god has has designed things is that we as his church um, are to undertake further suffering to take this good news to the world this news and on this journey um, he's called his church to suffer in order to see that happen it talks in Ephesians 2 about God preparing works in advance for us to do in verse 10. And I think there's a sense in which the suffering is a part of these works that the, the church are to undertake. And we read of Paul, um, he talks about his life being poured out as a drink offering um, in the sense that there is further suffering to go until the, the, men, uh, the number that God has called to come into his um, kingdom has, has happened. Um, so we need to be suffering ready in that we are we ready to, to suffer for the gospel in order to see many come to know Jesus. <clears throat> and um, throughout this kind of scattering, um, we also see another thing happening. Um, in, um, 
In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I had a look through the last seven chapters, and it looked like they hadn't quite you know, got beyond Jerusalem yet. But maybe in God's time, he thought, this isn't good enough. You know, I've got to do some ruffling. So he, he gets you know, Stephen stoned, and he gets this, uh, the church scattered. And then, they, yes, they begin to scatter, and he begins to fulfill what he's been saying about going to Judea and Samaria. So this comes on to what I've called the um, panorama ready. And what I mean by that is that... Um, we can sometimes just need to look at the bigger picture because if we can just zoom in on the suffering, it can seem awfully severe. You know, this poor guy, Stephen, he's been stoned and the, the church has been scattered. I mean, that's I thought they meant to be there, but God's got a bigger picture and the gospel, the good news is so good that it must go to the nations. It can't just be kept in Jerusalem. It's got to go to Judea. It's got to go to Samaria and it's got to go to the nations and to the ends of the earth. So intentionally, God uses this suffering for his purposes and I think the same question might be here, same for us here in Crawley. I know in our church, we've got some of you guys who were born in Crawley, born and bred, it's been here all your life. Um, some people may have come from outside and felt called specifically to come to Crawley prophetically in whatever way, in really clear um, you know, word from God or something. Some of us have just ended up here, you know, finance, family, business, um, whatever it might be, um, just ended up in Crawley. And... Um, whichever of the above reasons we're in Crawley, let's make the most of God's purposes. You know, we're here for this season, however long it is, um, to proclaim the gospel and see that many might come to Christ in, in, um, in Crawley. Uh, one guy who I think of when I think of, um, you know, panorama ready is, is a guy, a friend of mine, a Pakistani man called William, who um, he used to live in Pakistan, who he was involved with leading and overseeing several churches there. Unfortunately, he, he had numerous threats against his life. He had stones thrown at him. His daughter was kidnapped. He has churches physically damaged. He had beatings. And then he was eventually told by his fellow elders, you've got to leave Pakistan because your, your, your family's life is in danger. But he, So he's now here in the UK, and he still proclaims the gospel. And he's still got a vision to plant 100 churches in, in Pakistan. And for me, he's, uh, William is somebody who is you know, panorama ready, that he's kind of got this bigger perspective. He could have just stopped with the scattering, but he's carried on proclaiming. And then the final one I've got is, um, is mourning ready. So um, at the very end of the, um, of the passage, we get um, a godly man buried Stephen and mourned for him. And in 1 Corinthians 1.12, 26, we get, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. So there's a sense in which we as believers, um, whether we're going through periods of suffering or not, uh, we are to look out for our, you know, others around us who might be suffering, both locally and internationally, the persecuted church around the world, and those around us that might be experiencing hardship, whether from directly from you know, proclaiming the gospel or otherwise. But there is this real kind of sense of unity within the church, that it's like a body, and that when one part suffers and feels that, ex that suffering, that we as the, the church together um, are to get around um, that person and to bless them um, for the, you know, encouraging them in Christ for what they're doing, that if they are experiencing suffering, doesn't mean they're doing the wrong thing, um, but that's how God has seems to have done it throughout history and how he might be doing it in, in the next, uh, in next stage of our kind of lives together. Um, 
So I'm just going to pray really in response to that, and we're going to break up in a few minutes into groups just to pray about some of these um, kind of aspects over Crawley and over our lives um, as, we, as we kind of live this stuff out um, day by day. So yeah. Um, dear Lord God, we just thank you for your word today, Lord God. Um, thank you for the example of Stephen, Lord God, that he, he knew your words and that he wasn't afraid to, put, to, to share it, Lord Jesus, and that he was um, ready to suffer for Christ. Lord, help us to be ready to suffer for you in whatever way that might be, whether it's minor stuff, whether it's just being tired or a bit busy at times, or whether it's um, through not having money, through having given it away, or whatever it might have been, whatever it might be, um, help us to be ready to take that suffering, whether physical or financial or whatever it might be, uh, for you, because we know you're worth it. Help us to be like Stephen, who had this great intimate relationship with Jesus, that the suffering was almost, um, sec- well, it was secondary to, to knowing Jesus. And help us to have that in our um, attitudes each day, that we'd follow you, um, in that, Lord Jesus. And, and as we go into this 2020 season coming ahead, um, if suffering is to come, uh, accompanying some of the things we've been asking for, uh, we do pray you give us the grace to deal with it. Help us to be ready for it for when it comes, that it's not a shock uh, when that suffering comes, Lord Jesus, in whatever form. Um, fill us with your grace, Lord Jesus, to be ready to respond in a Christ-like way to that suffering and that you might be glorified, that you might be honored um, to see your kingdom come and your will be done in this nation and in the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Um, so I'm just going to suggest if, you, if we could try and gather in groups of four or five locally...